it's awesome to see what God is doing in our church and through the lives of all the families. We have a bunch of young families, and I'm telling you, God is sending a lot of great people to us. And we're just honored to be able to do what we do like that every day, every week. You know, it's so awesome. Today, we're going to end our series, Real People, Real Stories. And in the month of May, we've really been given honor where honor is due. And today, as you can see on the stage, we have set up a display and a memorial uh, for all of the fallen soldiers. Everybody that has went on before us in all of the wars from the beginning of this country all the way into the present day. I'm telling you, we would not be the people that we are if it wasn't for these people that were making the ultimate sacrifice, laying down their life for you and for me. Amen. Can we just give God praise for those people? Thank you. Thank you. Today, I want to talk about memorials. You know, I began to think about what am I going to speak on Memorial Day? Because a lot of times, if you just kind of scan through YouTube and different things, most preachers preach about the same thing on Memorial Day, you know? Just kind of, it's one of those sermons that you preach each uh, year. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that pastor. I've asked God, God, what do you want me to talk about? So today I'm just going to talk about memorials, okay? And memorials are this. It's just something uh, designated to preserve the memory of a person or a, or a place or a thing, okay? That's what a memorial is set up for right? And honestly, in the Bible, if you look at that, it's, it's literally a remembrance. That's what it means. Uh, the dictionary uh, definition in the Bible dictionary is just a remembrance or a record or a reminder. And uh, today, that's what I want to do. I just want to make sure that we're remembering the things in our life that we should be remembering. How many of you know that there's some things that God does in your life you shouldn't forget? Y'all should have said amen a little bit louder than that, right? There's things in your life that you should not forget. And uh, I'm going to talk about those things today. Uh, if you would, bow your heads and let's just pray over our service. Father, there's, there's people in this room, God, that may have been affected by maybe a very close loved one. Maybe it's a, a son or a daughter, maybe even a husband or a wife, grandson, granddaughter, uh, maybe that has passed away fighting for the freedom of our country. And, God, as we celebrate this weekend, we're celebrating these people and we're honoring these people. And God, we're also praying for the people, the families that are traveling. A lot of people are traveling to different cemeteries just to remember the loved one that they've had. And Father, I just pray peace. I pray comfort. I pray strength through these tough times for them. God, I just pray over this service. I can't do anything without you, but I can do all things through you. And I just pray that you'll penetrate our hearts, that you'll show us something in your word. Remind us, God. Today's all about the reminder. Remind us, Jesus, of all the good things that you've done in our lives. In your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 15, verse 13. And as I get started, before we get into the meat of the text that I want to get to, I just want to read this text because this is what most sermons on Memorial Day will most are going to start their sermons with. But listen to this scripture in John 15. It says, greater love, say greater love. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this than to one 
to lay down his life for his friends. I've always been a little taken back by this statement, if you really want to know my true, honest opinion, because of one word in that specific text. Do you know what the word is? Friends. Friends. I think I, I would have reacted a little different when I'm reading this scripture if it would have said family. Because when you lay down your life for your friends, you've got to really lay it all on the line, right? Wouldn't you say that? I think that that's why we set up memorials like this. is because these types of people, they laid them down. They laid their life down for their friends. Not just their family members. I mean, I, I don't know. I may take a bullet for my wife, but I don't know about some of you. Okay? <laughs> some of you, I'm like, heck no, shoot him. Don't shoot me. No, no, but in, in all reality, we have to really understand the sacrifice that people have made. Don't you know that people have made an ultimate sacrifice for you and I? That's why we set up things like this. And, and above that, don't you understand that Jesus Christ made the ultimate sacrifice for us? Can we never forget that Jesus Christ died on a cross so that you and I can be set free in the name of Jesus? Can we never forget that? Jesus offers us spiritual freedom. These people offer us physical freedom. Do you understand? I believe that we're numb to the fact as Americans we get so so selfish that we don't really understand what these people have done for us and the freedom that we actually live in. I'm serious. Can we just talk candidly today? We need to realize the country we live in. Do you understand there's Christians today that are getting beheaded because of the sake of the gospel? If they mention the name of Jesus, they will get persecuted. You think you're persecuted because someone made fun of you on Facebook. Booey! That is not persecution. People are getting their heads cut off. People are getting shot. People are getting whipped and beat and thrown into prisons because they didn't have people fighting for their freedom of Christianity. This, this country was founded on the Word of God. Can I get an amen? We fight for the Word of God. We fight for our freedom. And I believe there's other people, even high up people, that need to understand that type of stuff. Right? So, I've always been taken back uh, in, in things like that. So, today, here's what I want to do. I want to talk about memorials, and I literally want to talk about uh, where memorials came from. Because, honestly, when you talk about a memorial, you understand what someone did so that someone else could have this or that. Does that make sense? And, and this specific thing in the Scripture that we talked about, this sacrifice that these people made, that was the ultimate sacrifice. The ultimate sacrifice. You can't get any more sacrificial than that. Jesus could not have gotten any more sacrificial than going to a cross. These people are going to foreign lands, fighting for our countries and dying so that we can be free. Right? This sacrifice is what we have to really remember. Because that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about remembrance. I want to talk about setting up memorials in your life where you remember the things that God has done for you. Listen, Memorial Day, I, I'm not going to take too much time because I'm going to feel like I'm on my high horse this morning. But Memorial Day is a day that we remember people like this. It shouldn't be a day that we just all go get drunk and eat barbecue. Okay? Some of you are like, well, I don't care what you say, preacher. I'm getting drunk and eating barbecue. Hallelujah. Right? I know. I understand. But, but it's, it's far more greater than that. It's greater than that. 
Now, I'm not knocking barbecue, okay? If you want to cook me some barbecue, you just holler at a brother, okay? I'll eat some barbecue with you, but it should be more than just eating lots of food that you probably shouldn't have in the first place, right? We're just cramming. It's called gluttony, people. It's a sin, all right? But here's the truth. When, when, you, when you think about Memorial Day tomorrow when we celebrate it as a country, I want you to think of this. This is a picture I've seen this week. And when I saw this picture, I thought, oh my goodness. Because when I look at that picture, I see a mom. I don't know. A blue wrap there. I think I see a son. Maybe that son never met his dad. His dad may have been deployed when mama was pregnant, but now dad has made the ultimate Sacrifice. You can see the wedding pictures there in the picture of mom and dad, maybe as he was getting ready to be deployed. I don't really know, but this is what it's all about. This is it. I mean, you can crank up your barbecue grills and do all your other stuff if you want, but ultimately, let's, re let's remember this. It's not just an extra day off of work. Listen, these people took the rest of their life off for you. Let's, let's remember that. Amen? Are you all with me today? Yeah, come on. Give God a big old hand clap. So, today what I want to do is I want to go back and I want to look at where memorials began. How many of you know where the first memorial was? It was set up, the first memorial in the Bible. Actually recorded ever. Do you know? Some people that was in the first service say, yeah, I know, right? But I want to look at where the first memorials was. But why? Because it's very important to have memorials in our lives so that we don't forget what God has done for us and through us. It's very important. You have to look back and see what God is doing. Now, what I want to do is I want to go to Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. So if you'll turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. And then we're going to read in chapter 3 and chapter 4. Now, I've got about 18 to 20 minutes that I just want to just talk to you, okay? I really feel like God wants to show us something. So here you have Joshua. Joshua has gotten tagged, and you're it by God. And Joshua is going to lead the people into the promised land. Joshua was the successor of a man by the name of Moses. Most of us know Moses by the burning bush, and God spoke to him and told him, I am going to use you to deliver the nation of Israel. You're going to take them out of the land of bondage, which was Egypt, going into a land flowing with milk and honey. Right? So we all know this. And then we get to Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, where God just said, High five, you're it, Joshua. Moses is dead. Moses didn't inherit the promised land. Moses only saw the promised land. But your feet are going to hit the promised land. It's a really cool promise that God gave, not only to the nation of Israel, but also to Joshua. Now let's read in Joshua 1, 9. Just, just leave it up for a second as I read through it. Have I not commanded you? This is God speaking. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. You know why I believe that God is saying these types of things and Joshua is rehearsing these things in his head? Because you better be strong because you know you're fixing to face some opposition when you take land that people don't want you to have. Are you with me? This is going to get a lot better than y'all think right now. Be strong and of good courage. 
You've got to know that you know in life. You can't just piddle paddle through life. Don't know what piddle paddle means, but you can't do it through life, right? You can't just go through life. You've got to be strong and of good courage. Then he says this. He says, do not be afraid because there's going to be obstacles that, that, that you face that, that will bring a lot of fear into your life. Don't be afraid nor be dismayed. You know what the word dismayed is there? Don't get distracted. When you see something, don't get discouraged. Why? Here's why. Here's what he said. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's why. Joshua, let me tell you something. I want you to be strong. I want you to be of good courage. I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to get dismayed. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Some of you, you're facing a lot of trials. You're facing things in your life. Let me tell you, if you've got God on your side, greater is He that's on the inside of you than He that's in His world. You have Jesus. Amen? So in Joshua chapter 3, we're going to go there just in a minute. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there and just kind of put your finger there like I've got it. But Joshua chapter 3, the nation of Israel has come to the edge of the promised land for the second time. Look at your neighbor and say, second time. This was the second time that they did it. But here's the truth. This time they get to go in. That's the kicker. This time, they're literally about to inherit the promised land that God had created for them. This was a land flowing with milk and honey. It was wealth and prosperity. That's what milk and honey literally translates into. This was a land of prosperity and a land of wealth and health. Okay? So they're fixing to go into this place. This is the second time they've come. They're fixing to step their foot in there. The first time they couldn't. Why? Because they picked 12 men out of, out of all the tribes of Israel, one per tribe, and they sent them into the promised land. They come back out of the promised land. Ten of those people did what? They gave a bad report. Two of those people did what? They gave a good report. One of those two was a man by the name of Joshua, Joshua and Caleb, they came back and they gave a good report. So now you've got these people right here. And because of the evil report of the good land that God had promised them, God said this the first time, everybody here has to die. You will not be able to inherit the promised land because of your doubt, because of your disbelief, because of all of the things that you've done. You're murmuring. You're complaining. That's why it's very important not to doubt God, not to murmur or complain, and you need to remember what God has done. So it took 40 years to get all of that doubt out of the nation of Israel. God had to kill it out. Are you all with me? God had to kill all of that stuff out. So when they got close to the promised land, they were met with a challenge. Do you all know what the challenge was? When they got close to the promised land, they were met with this challenge, and this challenge was huge. We know it. It was a river. We know it as the Jordan River. The challenge was a large body of water. Isn't it amazing that God sets us up to trust Him? This is the second large body of water that we see. The first time there was a large body of water. What happened? 
Jesus and God, they split the Red Sea, right? God split the Red Sea. Let me tell you, I love this song that we sing. It's called Do It Again. Because I believe that Joshua, knowing that he came out of Egypt, knowing that, that knowing what God had done in the past, when he seen this body of water, he wasn't worried about it. Why? Because he knew that God would do it again. He knew that if God had done it one time, God will do it a second time. And if He's done it the second time, He'll do it the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth time. Because that's just who God is. Now here's the truth. There was some preparation that had to be made before crossing over. Now I'm going somewhere with this, so y'all just listen. Hopefully this is interesting to you. There was some preparation that had to be made. The first thing was this. He said this. He told the people, He said, Keep your eyes on the Ark of the Covenant. Now, do y'all know what that means? Keep your eyes on the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant in those days represented the presence of God. So here's what Joshua was saying to the people. This was right before they were getting ready. This was the night before they were getting ready to go over into the Promised Land. He said, keep your eyes on God. Don't you move until He moves. When you see the Ark of the Covenant beginning to move, then you can get up and you can get ready and you can go move. The second thing he told them is this, sanctify yourselves. That's a message that the church today in America does not want to hear. Why? Because sanctify means to cleanse, to dedicate, or to purify. That's what that word means. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow, God will do wonders for you. But in order for God to do wonders, guys, we've got to get it right. You've got to sanctify yourself. I bet you Joshua's looking and go, girl, you know, you, you know, you need to sanctify yourself. Woo! Girl, you ain't going with us. You don't get that sanctifying going on. Right? Why? Why all of this stuff? Why these instructions? Here's why. Because God honors people who honor Him. I believe if there's a word that I could speak to you today in the church, it'd be this. Look for the presence of God. Don't you go into any place without God leading you to that place. Don't you do it. Quit trying to get in front of God. You just get behind God and keep on following. Quit trying to take the lead. God never called you to take the lead in your life. You're just the co-leader with Jesus sitting there, right there. Are you here with me? And then I believe another thing I could say is sanctify yourself. Come on, we don't like holiness or purity or dedication unto the Lord. We don't like those words in the church anymore. Come on. Be ye holy, for I am holy, saith the Lord. We've got to get our lives right. If we ever want to do something or see God do something in our lives that we can build a memorial for, we've got to plan for that. It don't just happen. It don't just fall in your lap. You've got to set yourself up for success. Now here, I'll get back into my story. I'm jumping a rabbit here. But now, at this time of the year, here's what we know. At this time of the year, the Jordan River would have been at flood stage. So I'm going to get geeky on you just for a minute. It would have been at flood stage, and from one side of the river at flood stage to the other side of the river, it would have been right at a mile wide. So can you imagine these people who may have been too young 
to even know what they were doing at the Red Sea and really understand what happened at the Red Sea, there were some of those people that are standing there, and I know there had to be a, at least one negative Nancy that said, how are we going to get across that? Right? It's one mile wide. Isn't it amazing that God will put us in situations where we fully have to trust in Him? That He'll put us in a situation to go, hey, you know what? Without me, you ain't getting to the other side. So you better just follow me. You better follow my lead. You better sanctify yourself. You better get your, yourself full of faith. You better believe that I can do all things because you can't swim in flood stage. That rushing water in flood stage in a river would have took them on somewhere else. Which takes me to Joshua chapter 3, verse 9. Go to Joshua 3. And then we're just going to read quite a bit of text today, but it's good stuff. So just kind of follow along with me and we'll stop along the way. Joshua 3, 9. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know, you shall know that the living God is among you and that He will without fail drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites. Let me stop. Because that's a lot of heights and tights. Okay? But let me stop. Keep it right there for a minute. Isn't it amazing, Joshua chapter 3, before they ever cross over, that the leader was not talking about the obstacle, they were talking about the promise. Isn't that pretty cool? So many times we get our eyes fixed on the obstacle and not on the promise. I believe that's how, or, or that's why Joshua began to talk like this, because there was probably a lot of doubt in the camp, and he's saying, guys, quit looking at what's before us. You've got to look at what's past that. You've got to look at what God's going to do in our lives. And he goes on and he names all these people. Here we go. Before you, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Termites, and the, some other kind of ites. Amen. Some of you. Verse 11. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant. Listen to this. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you, and it's going to get right smack dab in the middle of the obstacle. That's, see, you have to understand when you're going through life's trials that the presence of God goes before you and God's already standing in the midst of the obstacle looking back at you going, what you going to do? What are you going to do? Do you see? you see how it works? How, how can I see deliverance in my life? Trust that He's already in the midst of it. How can I overcome this addiction? Trust that He's already in the midst of it. Trust that He's the one that's going to get you through. Because honestly, you can't get yourself through anything. You've got to have God. Now therefore, listen, verse 12. Now therefore, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe. Does that sound familiar? Here's what Joshua is saying. Guys, we did this once before and it didn't work. But this time, it's going to work. We're going to get these things right. So here's what I want you to do. Just like they chose 12 guys from the 12 tribes, I want you guys to go ahead and appoint 12 people from the 12 tribes and we're going to do something. Now listen, we're going to the memorial part. And it shall come to pass as soon. I love it. Say as soon as. 
That's how quick God can do something in your life. I ought to preach this. I need to preach a sermon sometimes called As Soon As. Somebody remind me of that. I'm going to preach that one day. As Soon As. That is so good. Okay, look. As soon as the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. He's going to rest right smack dab in the middle of the whole obstacle that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that came down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. God said... I'm going to build a wall. Some of you political people are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he said that. God said, I'm going to build a wall not to keep people out, but to get them in. I'm about to build a wall that's going to take us straight in to the promised land. And I want to tell you something. When you get involved with God, God's walls are different than the walls that we build. See, we build walls of insecurity and walls of doubt and all these other kinds of things. God is building walls here for these people. I'm telling you, they're going to celebrate in a minute and build a memorial. But God is building a wall for these people to be delivered again for the second time. And to now enter into the land that He has called them to go into. Go down to verse 17. Then the priest... Listen to this, so powerful. Then the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on what? On what kind of ground? What was it? On dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel crossed over on what? Dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Now, I hope when I get to heaven that I can say, Jesus, where did Jumbo Tron at? Because I want to see that. I want to see how you did it. I want to see all of these people as they are, are, are setting their foot, just touch the water, and they begin to walk. The walls in the water begins to recede and go back, and these walls are created. And not only did He do that, but He dried up the ground that the water was just on. Could you imagine? Negative Nancy again. She's still negative. I, well, he might have took the water away, but the, the, the ground's gonna be so wet, my wagon's gonna get stuck, right? That's pretty much what she's gonna say. I'm, I'm, I don't know. It's Memorial Day weekend, people. God bless you. <laughs> but could you imagine? I would love to see that jumbotron with all these wagons and all these different things that are going across and dust is coming up in the very thing that they should be stuck in. Isn't it amazing that God can create a way where there seems to be no way in our lives? He actually already has for a lot of you. He's created a way of healing for you. He's created a way of deliverance for you. Some of you used to be drug addicts. You ain't drug addicts anymore. Come on. Why? Because God's created a way where there seems to be no way. You once were lost, but now you're found. You were blind, but now you see. Once you were deaf, but now you hear. Now you know. Now you understand. You gotta start getting excited about all these little things. We need to be building these memorials up in our life. So here you got this situation. It's a mile across. Most scholars believe it was probably one to three miles wide that God did this. Why? Because there was two million people that had to get through there. 
Two million. I want to say that's about the population of the state of Tennessee. All in one situation. And Jesus said, or God, God spoke and He said this, Tonight, you're going to be in the promised land. So in one day, God took them from their past and the 40 years of wandering into the very thing that He had called and predestined them to be. Into the promised land. How? Because He's a God of miracles. That's a miracle, people. That's something that has to be remembered. Now, honestly, with a show of hands, this is not to shame anybody. How many of you have ever heard, all of us have probably heard about the Red Sea splitting. How many of you have ever heard about the Jordan River splitting like that? How many of you have not heard about it? Just raise your hand. You've never heard this. Look at the people. Look, so you're learning something today. That's good. It makes me feel good as a preacher. Amen. I feel so indignified. Joshua chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. Listen to this. Then Joshua called the twelve men, that was the twelve men they picked, whom he had appointed from, a, from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, listen, cross over before the ark. So I want you to cross back over. They've come out. The, the priest and the ark of the covenant is still setting in the middle of the river. And here's what he's saying. You see those guys? I want you to cross over. I want you to get in front of the ark of the covenant. Now, this would have been dangerous territory, okay? Because you don't just go and get in front of the presence of God. Back in those days, I don't know if y'all have heard of all that stuff, but one time they were, they were transporting the Ark of the Covenant, somebody, it almost falls over. So one guy that's traveling with it reaches up, touches the Ark of the Covenant, and dies just like that. The presence of God is something that I'm telling you. You have to really, really, really be, you know what I'm saying? Some of you are like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. Okay, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder. This wouldn't have been a little rock. This would have been something that, I, I don't know, probably weighed 80 to 120 pounds, not really for sure, but it would have been something they would have had to lift it up, put on their shoulder, and took across. So if it was a mile across, they had to walk half a mile back in to the thing, walls of water on each side, really not seeing and knowing what was happening, what was going on, just seeing God's deliverance. They're going back. They're seeing the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God. They're going back in the midst of the presence of God and going, God, I'm never going to forget what you just did here. You see that? So they grab these things. They put them on their shoulders, these stones, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. And here's why. Here's why we build memorials in our life. Here's why we can never forget. And we always have to remember things. That this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean? Dad, why, why, are you, why do we always have to go back to Gilgal? Because that's where the stones were, okay? Weird name of a city, but it was Gilgal. But here's what they did. They set the stones up in Gilgal. Here's why. For a remembrance of what God had done. For over 40 years, they had been wandering in the wilderness. Listen, this is a moment that God brought us from this old life into a new life of health, wealth, and prosperity. So we've got to remember that. Let me tell you something. You want to know why you can't forget some of the great things that God has done in your life? Because your kids are watching you. That's why you can't forget it. 
Your kids are going to look at you one day and say, why, why do we have to go to church? I don't like going to church. I don't care if you like going to church. You're going to get your little butt up. You're going to get dressed. And we're going to go to church. Why? Because Jesus set your daddy free. You may not understand that right now. But Jesus set me free. And i got to train up a child the way that he should go. And you are my child. And as long as you live under this roof, you will go to church. Amen. That's why we set up memorials. That's why we do what we do. Heck with all this, you know. Well, I just want them to do what they want to do. You eat my food in my house, you're going to church with me. That's just how it is. You understand me on the front row? You understand me? We've got, we've got to have those memorials. Listen, verse 7, and I'm, I'll be done just here in a sec. Then you shall remember them or remind them, answer them. That the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. Listen, here's where it is. This is the first memorial that's listed ever in history. Joshua did it. And these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. That's why it's important for you to remember the things that God has done in your life. Not too long ago, it's been about three or four weeks ago, I wore a short sleeve shirt to preach in. I never wear short sleeve shirts. But I did that day. My wife uh, didn't really pick it out for me, but she's like, yeah, go ahead and wear that. And I'm like, okay, okay, that's cool. Is it, you think I'm okay wearing a short sleeve shirt? And then I had tons of people come up to me because they said, oh my gosh, Pastor Jamie, I didn't know you had a tattoo. I said, oh, meet you in hell. God bless you. I love you. If we're going to burn, we're going to burn hard. We're going to get them tattoos. I'm telling you, you know. I mean, it's just, but that, that to me, that's a remembrance for me. I, ha I have it on my arm, and it's a remembrance for me because April the 12th, year 2000, may not mean much to you guys, but it means a lot to me. And I'll be honest, that tattoo, since I've got it, I've had it six, eight months, something like that, but since I've got that tattoo, that has brought more conversation about Jesus Christ than a lot of other times in my life. People look and go, whoa, 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 you're a preacher. You got a tattoo? I'm like, you don't even want to see my back. I got a mean dragon. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't have a dragon. That's Jill. She's got one on her back. Uh, it's back in them old days, you know. No, and if you've got a dragon on your back, I'm not making fun of you, you know. Just uh, probably drank a little too much that night, didn't you? Uh, I don't even know what I'm doing now. Kenzie, you better get something holy going in this room, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, but that, that, that peace, for me, that's just a memorial. Don't forget when God set you free. Don't forget the day that God healed you. Come on. Don't forget the day that God delivered you of that drug addiction. Don't you forget that. Why? Because there's some children in the faith that's coming up that's still addicted to drugs that need your help. They need your help. They need you to set up that memorial just for a minute. And you tell them what Jesus Christ has done for you. You want to know why I believe that a lot of churches in America are dead and stagnant? Because they have forgotten what God has done for them. I'm telling you. This place should be the most exciting place 
over all of our city. You want to know why? Because we ought to come in here every week knowing that we serve a God who sent His only Son to die on a cross. And not only did He die, but He rose on the third day and He lives on the inside of us. We've got something to remember. We've got something to celebrate. So I'm telling you, especially those of you that's been in church for, it don't take long, honestly, three, four, five years. Sometimes we can get so self-righteous because we're better than the new people. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one that's felt that way before. But if we don't watch it, we'll forget where we came from. I can't believe they sitting out there smoking outside the church. I mean, they need some dignity. Honey, you were that person three years ago. Do you not remember? Do you not remember? Well, I just don't understand, man. You know, God God just delivered me from a drug. I don't understand why people are so caught up on drugs and alcohol. Well, I'm sure there was a lot of sacrilegious people that thought that about you too. But now that you've been delivered for ten years, you've got it all together. Never forget where you came from. Let me pray with you today. I'm trying, sister. I'm trying. Let me, let me pray with you. You know, some of you in this room, as I'm talking about memorials and I'm talking about the day I gave my life to the Lord, and maybe some of you, you have memorials such as baptisms and like child dedications that we just did. That's a memorial. You know, remind your kids of that. But maybe some of you in this room, you just say, hey, I don't have those types of memorials. I've never really fully committed to God. If that's you today and you want to make a change and make a difference in your life and you want God to come in and just wash you clean, would you just slip up your hand? Nobody's looking around. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? You want to make that commitment? Maybe you're online right now. Facebook, listen. Listen to preacher. Man, if you need to make that decision, make it right now. I can't see you raising your hand, but God can see your heart. If you need God in your heart, would you invite Him right now? All you have to do is pray a simple prayer. Pray this prayer with me. Say this with me, everybody in the room. Say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And today, I confess my sins to you. I believe that you died on a cross, rose on the third day for me. Thank you for becoming my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give God a big old hand clap. <laughs>